0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the uh, universe and more than we could ever explore that we will spend all of eternity exploring. He paid special attention to this planet called the earth. He made it a place that could be livable with land and with sea and then he filled that land and sea with flourishing nature in order to provide for the creatures that he would place in those uh, regions. He filled the sky with amazing bodies, planets and stars, and then he filled the sea with amazing bodies, uh, incredible sea creatures that we are only beginning to discover the vast number of them. And then he filled the land with amazing bodies, all kinds of diversity in God's creatures. But God paid special attention and gave special care to human bodies. Genesis 2 says that God actually took the dust of the earth in order to form our bodies. And he said that we were created in God's image— So that when people, when others look at us, they would be able to see some reflection, some image of God. And the human body is absolutely amazing. It's not the strongest or the fastest of God's creatures. You know, you wouldn't fight a bear and you can't catch a squirrel. Uh, But uh, they are the only bodies that can hit a golf ball 300 yards. We're also the only bodies that Builds beautiful cathedrals or skyscrapers. We make uh, microscopes to, to see cells and atoms, and we make telescopes to see what is in the heavens. We are bodies that are not only created, but also creative. And we can do things that no other bodies can do, thanks to our opposable thumbs and gifted and creative. Minds. But it is kind of interesting that God didn't make our bodies a little more durable, that He made them so weak and so fragile. We don't even have a a fur coat, or, you know, not most people don't, uh, uh, that is able to keep us warm in the elements. We don't have the tough skin of an elephant or an alligator that can protect us from being cut or or attacked. We don't even have a a horn to use as a weapon, which would be really helpful, I guess, if you uh, were being attacked at some time. Uh, We have bodies that let us down and fail us. Our memories, our minds are incredible. And it's incredible how they can forget someone's name that we know really well. (laughs) Our our minds can, our our bodies can, can be full of strength and vitality one minute and a tiny little germ or virus can just put us in bed for weeks. We are so weak and we are so fragile and our bodies fail us. They actually become a major source of embarrassment for us, not only because of the things that we forget, but the things that we are not able to do with our bodies or control in our bodies or the way that our bodies look. There's hair in places that we don't want hair and other places where we want it, where it isn't. There are things that are the wrong shape or the wrong size. And so we do our very best to, to cover up our bodies because God didn't give us a covering for them, or the covering that we have, it's not appropriate to go out in public. Uh, And it's so cute and such a blessing when you put uh, clothes on your animals and and bring them out in public, and I thank you for doing that, but it's illegal for you to do that uh, with your own body because they, they have to be covered, and we very much appreciate you doing that. So the human body is uh, we have a very conflicted relationship with our body. And Paul is going to tell us today that one of the reasons God has made our body so frail and so fragile is because it reveals not our power, but His. He says our bodies are meant to be containers of something more glorious and more powerful than any human being could actually muster. The very glory of Jesus' life within our body. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The uh, treasure that he's talking about is what he talked about, uh, what we discussed last week in the previous verses, the glorious life of Jesus, all of God's infinite glory placed within our hearts through the good news of his death and resurrection, the gospel. That is the treasure within us. then he says the container that that treasure is put in is a jar of clay reminding us that we are made from the earth and that we are weak and that we are fragile. And he's going to say that the very design of fragility, that the, we, des- we are fragile by design, so that as our bodies break down, more of that glorious life of Jesus is revealed to others. As our fragile bodies disintegrate and break down, more and more of the glorious life of Jesus is being revealed to others. I am, uh, I think about the fragility of my own body uh, every time I watch football and I see a really hard hit, especially when uh, someone in a receiver is not expecting it and they just get nailed. Uh, I think I would, not, I would not get up from that. I would never walk again <laughs> if that happened to me. And uh, Paul uh, says in a similar way, is treated the same way, but he keeps getting up. He actually uses images as if he were a gladiator in a stadium surrounded by opponents that are trying to take his life. Here are the words that he uses starting in verse 8. We are afflicted in every way. And then he says we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we are struck down. You start to see this picture of a fragile, defenseless person surrounded by opponents who are paid to try to crush him, to to knock him down and to take his life. And Paul says the amazing thing about me is not the fact that I am a strong, powerful person, but that there is a power within me that keeps me getting up. That even though I get knocked down, that this power is at work in me to get me back up again to continue fighting the fight, to continue the calling that God has placed on my life. That power in Paul's life is the power of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 10, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What he's saying is that he's gradually dying every day. Every affliction and every time he suffers is reducing the strength And the vitality of his body gradually over time. But as that is happening, more and more of Jesus' life and Jesus' power is being revealed. Jesus Christ died by hanging on a cross uh, for six hours on a Friday. We die, uh, uh, most of us, a, a much more gradual extended death. But in the same way that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, Jesus' resurrection through the Holy Spirit is now at work in us, giving us the ability to endure all these afflictions that we have to endure because of our fragile, broken bodies. In 1947, there was a shepherd in Israel and he lost one of his sheep uh, around the Dead Sea. And so he was looking for his sheep, and there's a bunch of caves there, especially in an area called Qumran. And uh, he wanted to know if his sheep was, was in these caves, so he just started taking rocks and throwing them into the cave. And uh, eventually he heard this crashing noise. Something broke. And so he went in, he discovered all of these clay pots in one of these caves. And he thought, oh, maybe there's going to be some great treasure in there. But all it was, was these old scrolls. And so he went home and, and he told some people about what had happened. The next day, someone came back, started looking through these caves in Qumran around the Dead Sea and found all kinds of scrolls. What ended up happening was these are called the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the greatest archeo- archaeological discoveries of the 20th century. Just... All of these documents older than Jesus with all kinds of scripture and other things confirming, for one thing, the reliability of the Bible that we have just because of the accuracy with which they match the scriptures, the words that we have in our scripture. Just an amazing, incredibly valuable discovery beyond description stored in these clay jars that needed to be broken in order for that treasure to be revealed. Paul says our bodies are a lot like that. They are fragile and they are prone to suffering. But as we suffer and as we are broken, more and more of that treasure is being revealed. So Paul says he takes his eyes off of this body that he has now and the way in which It's breaking down, and instead he focuses much more on that treasure. Since we have the same spirit of faith, he says in verse 13, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, and so we also believe and so we also speak. That's a quotation from Psalm 116 that we read this morning in our call to worship. Steve prayed it as well. The psalmist is going through this horrible affliction, And God saves his soul. Whatever it was, God saves him. And so he believes and he speaks, knowing that God is with him in his suffering and ultimately will save him. Paul says, this is how God saves us. 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. This is Paul's message. Jesus Christ died and rose again. And by believing in that, as we die and when we ultimately are placed in the grave, our hope is that we too will be raised with Jesus. This incredible faith in a life after this life, a one that's, great, one that's greater than we could ever possibly imagine, gives us the strength and endurance to continue living this difficult life in our fragile bodies. Paul says that's his hope and that's where his eyes are fixed in verse 16. So we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction. Notice he says that being attacked by gladiators is light and momentary, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal." Paul is talking there about the process of dying that all of us are currently going through. He's saying that as we progress through this process and our bodies break down and we suffer in this life, it is releasing our grip on the temporary things of this world. When we're young and we can do whatever we want and we can break a bone and and heal from it or twist a a knee or an ankle and know that we're going to walk again in a week, we don't even think about it. But the older we get, we we do something weird and we think, okay, that's going to be with me for the rest of my life now. Uh, We start to lose some grip on this body that we have. And suffering actually is used by God to start directing our hearts and our attention and our eyes to the future world that is coming. A few weeks ago when I uh, preached a similar sermon about about human weakness and fragility, uh, Steve and I were talking after the service about how that all of the famous Christians that we know about that uh, God has used greatly have all suffered physically in different ways. Spent lots and lots of time in in beds or in hospitals or or had some sort of affliction that stayed with them their entire lives. Uh, One of those people that many of you know is Johnny Erickson Tata. She was a very active young woman, loved uh, swimming and horseback riding. And when she's 17 years old, she dives into the water and and breaks her neck and spends the next two years in a hospital lying on her stomach, uh, staring at the floor. She said in that time, she wanted to die. In that time, she doubted her faith. She questioned why God had done that to her. Until eventually, the power of God started to work in her. She started to see how God was using this in her life to make her more dependent on him and to reveal his power in her. Today, she is internationally known and has a ministry that has blessed so many people with disabilities. And I've benefited from that ministry. I've got to be uh, a part of that. And so the amazing power of God at work through that little that may that little that light and momentary that's what paul calls a light and momentary suffering in his life that most of us couldn't endure is just revealing the amazing power of god i came across a quote by the philosopher kierkegaard this week that said god only creates from nothing and whatever god is going to use he must first reduce to nothing That's what God is doing in us. As our bodies fail us and as they fall apart and as they break down, God is reducing us to nothing. And for those of us that have had relatively easy lives and healthy bodies, we are missing out on a major blessing of experiencing God's power. Those of you that are going through it right now, you might say it's really hard, but someday you can look back on it And you're able to say, God used that so powerfully in my life. We don't seek suffering. We don't seek uh, physical harm. We do what we can to protect ourselves. But we also realize that our fragile bodies are going to break down. And as they do, they are going to reveal more and more of the glorious life of Jesus within us. And in the end, Paul gives... An amazing picture of what that revelation is going to look like. C.S. Lewis said that we have never met a mere mortal. He says, in his uh, characteristic British way, the most, the dullest and most int- uninteresting, I don't know if that's British, this is just C.S. Lewis, Un- the dullest and most uninteresting person you are ever going to meet will someday be transformed into something so glorious that if you were to see it now, that you would be tempted to worship them. This is what Paul says. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, the tent is the skin that we live in, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul is contrasting our earthly bodies, which he calls a tent, with some future body that God is going to give us to live in. That is, he says, like a building versus a tent. Not meaning that it's like rigid, but that it's so much bigger and more permanent and spacious and comfortable that it is like uh, the Hilton versus uh, a six-person tent from uh, Coleman uh, that you bought at Walmart. Um, Paul, Paul himself was a tent maker, and so uh, one of the materials he may have used for tents uh, could have been animal skins. And so that's a, a pretty uh, earthy image that he would have been fairly com- comfortable with, saying that uh, our skin is like a tent that we currently dwell in that is only a temporary home while we're waiting for the mansion that God is going to one day house us in. And in uh, the uh, third chapter, uh, or at the end of the second chapter of Genesis, uh, Paul, uh, Moses writes that, that Adam and Eve had their tents exposed, that they were naked but they were not ashamed, that they were very comfortable in that skin. It was only, shame only came once Satan tempted them, and once they uh, distrusted God and, and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that suddenly they, they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed, and they put fig leaves uh, around them uh, in order to cover their shame. And that, those were the first clothes That we wore, and they were really, really uncomfortable. And so, when God comes to them, seeks them out, draws them, starts drawing them back to themselves, to Himself, God actually makes them outfits made out of leather. Uh, The Bible says that they were uh, garments made out of animal skins. So, God took the life of an animal in order to give them clothing that was more appropriate than what they put on themselves. So that all throughout the Bible, God's intention is to clothe his people with something that doesn't come from themselves, to give them the gift of a covering that they could never create or design themselves. And the way he does that in the end is by Jesus taking on our skin, taking on our weakness and our fragility, and then being exposed on the cross in such a way that he bears all of our sin, uh, which is not at all his own, because it's nothing that he deserved, and then giving his very life for us so that he might be raised in glory, a glory that was revealed just briefly to his disciples when he was transfigured on a mountain and Moses and Elijah met with him and they saw the amazing whiteness of his glory. Paul says that someday we are going to be clothed with that same glory, that Jesus' life is going to swallow up what is left of us. For while we are still in this body, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, that, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. There is a day when you will be covered in such glory that you are going to forget all of that suffering and or at least see all of the suffering and all of the pain that you suffered in this body in a totally different light. Christ's righteousness is going to look really good on you. And all of that life by God's spirit, he says God has given us his spirit as a guarantee, is right now at work in you. And it is slowly being worked out and being revealed to others, being revealed to the world, until one day, an amazing explosion of life, you are going to be completely covered in that life. Our bodies are breaking down so that they can reveal the glorious life of Jesus. This week, I was uh, picking out a shirt one morning, and I was thinking I have way too many shirts they all look the same like there's there's a green section there's the purple section and I haven't worn most of them in the last year I haven't worn a lot of them in the last five years but you buy clothes because you want to cover yourself And and it's there's a conflict there because you you want to cover yourself but you also want to draw some attention to yourself and so you want them to you know show different parts of you that you want people to see and cover the other ones and that's what life is uh, in, this, in this body. And as I think about um, what God is doing in, in breaking down our bodies and how my body is not in the same body I had 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I can say now as I stand before you that I accept that, that breakdown. If it means that more of Jesus' life is going to be revealed to others. and Because I'm a weak human being, when I suffer, I'm probably not going to say that. But when I get past that and I look back, I I think that I'll I'll be able to say, I am so thankful that God brought me through that suffering because it released some of my grip on myself. It reduced some of my pride. It, it, It took my eyes off of myself and the temporary things of this world. And it pointed my eyes to Jesus and more and more of Jesus being revealed in me. There's going to be a day where, where I don't need these clothes, and I don't have to worry about going shopping uh, and, and finding things that fit, and, and that there's going to be an end to that because Jesus is going to clothe me in his glorious life. I think it's going to look good on me, and I know it's going to look good on you. Thanks be to God.